Hello and welcome to the Should I Go See a Podcast. I'm your host, Bill George. With me as always, AJ Rebecca. What's going on, Bill? Well, AJ, we have another rapid fire episode this week, if you can tell from the opening music. Well, shit. Saw a bunch of movies in the last couple weeks. Want to get caught up? Yep. We got five to talk about. How do you want to start? Do you want to do yeses? I don't know that John Madden is still alive. Yeah, we were discussing that before recording. John Madden is alive. He went to Daly City High School. I I lived in Daly City, outside of Daly City. What a weird place. So what are we That's talking fascinating, about? fascinating, AJ. Sorry. <laughs> I just, he's old. He literally looks like a melted potato. Not like mashed potatoes, like a like a baked potato that was like, meh, I'm fucking done with this. Noted. <laughs> His face looks plowing like, ahead. His face looks like tinfoil. <laughs> Turning the page. Yeah, okay. All right. We're tearing the page. What do yeah. we got? I got uh, two no's, three yeses. Two no's, three yeses? Yeah. I think we should just go back to back to back to back. Ready for it? Yeah. Let's fuck. All right. First yes. First yes is three identical strangers. About? It's a documentary. It's a true story, hence documentary, about these three uh, identical twin brothers. Not twin, I guess it would be. Three brothers, identical, that... Triplets. Triplets is... the Thank you, Craig. That's what I meant. Identical triplets. Yeah. Separated at birth. How? Wolves? No, all three were adopted. So the (laughs) the adoption agency split them up. What kind of fucking... That's a, this is the point of the documentary. Shit bag. But here's, here's, here's the setup, okay? Is that... This is in the 80s. Took place in the 80s. Fuck yeah. Where one of the brothers goes to college and everybody starts saying like, Hey, Eddie, Hey, Eddie, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, who the fuck is Eddie? I don't know. And they were like, and he finds out that he has a twin brother on campus on campus. Okay. So then keep talking to me. True story. So then they let a newspaper know and they like run a story about it. Like unbelievable. These twin brothers find each other. Like what a crazy story. And then this third guy looks in the paper and sees a photo of two of himself. And he's like, what the fuck? So then these triplets find out, that they know each other. And then they they go on, they start doing the talk shows and they make the rounds. It's a national story in the 80s. It was like a huge deal. And then you start to dive, the movie starts to dive into like, well, how did this happen? How'd they get separated? And that's where shit goes crazy. Really? I don't want to spoil it because it's best to just like watch the movie go and just like dry. see how it unfolds. Okay. But uh, don't research it. Don't discuss it. We're not going to discuss it more in depth here. What you're talking about. You will be astounded at, at this story. And it's called Call Me By Your Name? <laughs> uh, it's called Three Identical Strangers. It's in limited release right now. Of course it is. Uh, I think it won Sundance or some festival Where'd like that. Where'd you go see it? Coolidge? You uh, fucking dick? No, Tremont Street. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, it's well put together. Yeah. It's easy to follow. Like the just the, the documentary aspects of it. Uh, in terms of the chronology, how they, who they talk to, they talk to basically every party involved that they can. It's just so riveting. Um, it's really, really good. Got to see it. It's a must see. Love it. Number two. Four yeses. Sticking with the yeses. Or you no, want to no, alternate? No. Give me alternate. alternate. Yeah, give me all no. right. Here we go. Uh, Sicario. Day of the Soldado. Ah, Dia de Soldado. <laughs> see, see. Uh, uh, starring. Benicio del Toro, Josh Brolin. Fuck yeah. Uh, about. It's the sequel to Sicario. If you saw that. Best movie of 2014, 2015. Sicario is great. Yes. And the thing that made Sicario great was you had this Emily Blunt character who's great as an actress. And her character is kind of the avenue through which 
the audience. She's an audience surrogate to kind of see the dark side. She's like the moral compass. Right. And yeah. she's seeing all the breakdown of how like things really work in the world. Yeah. And you're kind of like going along with Josh Brolin trying to figure out like, is he doing bad things for the right reasons? Is it worth it? There's like this gray area, the whole thing. So it takes you through that. It's a really interesting look at what goes on behind the scenes uh, when it comes to dealing with cartels and things like that. Sure. This movie does away with that. Emily Blunt's not in it. She's not. So now you just have Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro doing uh, shady stuff, but they're the heroes of the movie. So like it, it removes. How? They already established in number one that they're pieces of shit. Right. But you're following them along and like you're, you're supposed to be cheering, not necessarily cheering for them, but like you're watching them do their thing. And it's it just doesn't work as well at all. That sucks. Uh, it's a decent action thriller. Um, it's moody, but it's basically a approximation at recreating the first. Yeah, which the first one was better shot because it had Roger Deakins, best cinematographer working today. Fucking amazing. It had uh, Villanueva, the director, who went on to make all these amazing movies like Arrival and things like that. Like yep. it was one of his movies. So the first one is just so top shelf that this one doesn't even touch it. It's just not even close. There's only one or two action scenes that are even worth a damn, uh, which is a Shit. shame because that's it's really the shame. whole point. It's not as tense. It's not as well directed. It's not as edge of your seat. The third act drags. The writing's not as good. Uh, the whole thing just is just not even close. All so right. see Sicario if you haven't. Yep. Or see the other things written by Taylor Sheridan, including Wind River, which we've talked about. Hell or High Water is great. Yep. Um, so this writer has did, done many other things. Did he write this one he too? He wrote this one too, which was, was super disappointing. It's got to yeah. be for the check. All right, number Probably. three movie. Uh, so I'll give you another yes. This is called Leave No Trace. And starring? Um, Jesus, Bill, get your shit together. I'm sorry. I'm blanking. Oh, this Ben is... Foster. Ben Foster and uh, a young actress named Thomasin McKenzie. The piano player? Who? It's Ben That's Folds. That's Ben Folds. You're thinking of Ben Folds. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, Ben Foster. Yeah. Uh, he was the, like, Psycho bad guy in 30, 310 to Yuma, if you remember that. He was like Russell Crowe's right-hand man. No, mm. nothing? Okay. Anywho, what's the movie about? The movie is in the Pacific Northwest. There's a father and daughter living in a national park, like a state park, illegally. What's it called? Leave No Trace. Oh. So they're living okay. off the grid. Fuck He's yeah. a veteran with a haunted past. Of course he is. <laughs> He's got a dead wife situation. Both his legs? He's got his legs. He's got this good, isn't good a him. this is not a skyscraper situation. Uh, he's got like a 13, 14 year old daughter with him. Yeah. And they're living off the grid in the park. And a jogger happens to spot the daughter and calls the cops. And the cops come and now they have to like kind of reassimilate and like they give them all these tests to find out the mental situation. And then they place them in 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 like a home where they can live. He's got like PTSD. Um he goes to the VA and gets like anti-PSD, PTSD, like drugs and then sells them. Like that's how he makes money to live off the grid. Um, wow. So they're uncovered. They're separated. Uh, then they eventually are reunited um, like pretty quickly. Like they, they find out that he is a good father. Like he's not whatever. And yeah. so they put him back together and they try to like kind of live their life. It's a super understated movie. Um, beautiful use of show don't tell like it's just a smart movie it feels really realistic like it's very naturalistic it's authentic it's genuine sure. performances are great people might think myself included that at points it dragged a little bit but it's a slow slow burn it's touching I teared up twice it's from the director of Winter's Bone do you remember that movie Winter's Bone took place in the Ozarks and it really launched Jennifer Lawrence's career no um, I don't know what you're talking got about got a lot of buzz on the indie circuit um, so it's her 
uh, first uh, directed narrative movie since oh. then. And I've looked up Ben Foster, and now I know who you're talking about. Yep. And yep, it's a good one. It's a good one. I'm sure cool. it'll get some uh, potential award consideration. Okay, uh, give me an L. Uh, no, so this one's not in theaters. This one is a catch-up from from what was in theaters recently, Chappaquiddick. Ooh, uh, about the uh, little blowjob bridge incident. <laughs> a driving while intoxicated incident, probably more realistic. She was a staffer. She was giving him oral. He was drunk, drove off the bridge, left her for dead, and that was it. And the he you're referring to is uh, Senator Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy, yeah, who uh, died a couple years ago. He did. Uh, and this movie, the events that you describe, yeah. minus the oral sex, uh, <laughs> happened. they happened within the first half hour of the movie, and then the rest of it is basically the cover-up and yeah. what happened from there. It's uh, not good. The writing is weak. Yeah. The acting is so-so. The characters are just drawn... The, the bottom line is the characters are drawn too broadly. They're basically caricatures of these people. And the score is super heavy-handed. It tries to be like a Fincher knockoff. Like it's a yeah investigative movie. And they show the events multiple times with multiple perspectives because it's unreliable narrator situation. I don't know. It doesn't work. It how doesn't did, work. Um, doesn't work. How did Jason Clark play Ted Kennedy? Okay. Did you do like a fake Boston accent? Yeah, well, it, that's the thing. It's not even the Boston accent, which is like... Already one of my most annoying pet peeves in Hollywood. It's like the Kennedy accent. Oh. And it's just so I threw ridiculous. A dead gopher into yeah. the girls' locker we room. We choose to go to the moon. <laughs> uh, my real question though is like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Come on, Greg, pull it together. Keep it together, people. My question though is like, who is this movie even for? Uh, <laughs> older, uh, I would say like if you're a white female, between the ages of like 65 and 82 that have strong ties to the New England area. Yeah, because I really don't think anybody in fucking Topeka Dude, cares about well, any the, of this. The fucked up thing about this film is that I'm I'm looking at the, the, the official poster right now, the old 24 by 36, and the hashtag for the film was hashtag this really happened. Right. Is this some like Republican propaganda piece? Because uh, no, the people in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, going to their local Cineplex, I have no idea what the fuck is, is going Ed on. Is Helms in this? And <laughs> Helms is this. So is Jim Gaffigan. They did some comedy stunt casting here. Ed <laughs> Helms has such a punchable fucking head. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, skip this. Fuck so, it. Well, one interesting fact I will say: she wasn't a prostitute. She was not. No. One interesting uh, history fact that I didn't realize was that this, the event, the Chappaquiddick event took place the weekend of the moon landing. So like the national media, like he had a couple, he had like basically a weekend where everyone else was focused on the moon landing so that he could like figure out their plan to cover it up. And then everyone got on it the following week. I didn't realize that timing of the events. Not and sure. so like any movie that takes place during the moon landing, they have to sh cut in like the actual footage and everybody watching TV and Walter Cronkite and stuff like that, which I like because I love moon landing stuff. Huh. Cool. Uh, what do we get? Do we have one more? We have one more, which is a yes. What was it? It's called Sorry to Bother You. Starring? Um, I forget his name right now. It was the gentleman from Get Out who uh, Jordan Peele's character goes to talk to and then he freaks out when he takes a picture of him and like it's a nosebleed. That guy, remember him? Oh, uh, I think his name's like Lakeith. Yeah, Lakeith. What's it about? So it's really interesting because act one is... Down on down on his luck guy. 
Yeah. Gets a job in telemarketing. Okay. And he's just trying to make ends meet, right? And he's got the artistic girlfriend, te- just Tessa Thompson, who's hardest working woman in Hollywood. I feel like she's in everything lately. Yeah. She plays his like arty, uh, artsy girlfriend. And he's trying to make some money. So he gets a job in telemarketing with his buddy. She's so fucking hot. She's uh, Creed's girlfriend, right? And she's Valkyrie in the Thor movies. Or Thor Ragnarok, specifically. Oh, no shit. Dude, yeah. Oh, my fucking yeah, she's, God. She's, she's getting work. Yeah, she's so, getting work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he gets a job in telemarketing, and he gets advice from Danny Glover uh, in the telemarketing office that if he wants to succeed in this job, he needs to use his white voice. Oh, Jesus Christ. So he starts to use his white voice. And the thing that's clever about this movie is it's not just that actor doing an impression. They dub over David Cross as the white voice. Oh, my God. As the voice that like he I uses. Like, I just blew myself, David Cross? Like Yes. Yep. And then his boss is Patton Oswalt's white, the white voice is Patton Oswalt. <laughs> so the, their voices are coming out of these characters' oh, mouths when they're pretending to be white. My God. And so he starts to succeed at telemarketing, which takes us to act two, where all of a sudden he's got massive success, but he's doing it by telemarketing. And the thing that he is telemarketing is a company that deals in essentially like modern slavery called like the worry free company where like you come work for us and we give you housing and like you're basically an indentured servant. It, the movie is very surrealistic. Um, it sounds like it's very inventive. It sounds like get out part two. So there is definitely, it is satire. It is like biting satire at times and it's very social commentary heavy. Do you it's think, very metaphoric. Do you think Boots Rally would have been able to make this movie if it wasn't for get out? Hard to say. I don't know when this started. Like, I don't know when they started production on this, so it's like hard to say where the overlap yeah, I mean, was. Like, but I think that the success that this movie's already seeing is partially because of that, sure. So act two is basically him having this massive success, but at what cost? Because there's a morality question and there's the, sure, how sure. it affects his relationships, but he's successful finally. And then act three, there's a wild turn that is provocative and unexpected and just crazy. So watch it. Um, so you got to see it. Okay. Um, my only knock on the movie, because I thought it was really, really good. Um, it's very, very funny. The satire is funny. It's smart. It's really inventive too. If you see the trailers, when he does telemarketing, when he makes a call, they like drop his desk like into the house where he's calling as if he's there. Like the scene all of a sudden looks like he's next oh. to the person to like kind of make it more interesting when you're sure. calling somebody. So like really cool stuff like that. Cool. Uh, my only knock on it is when they make that crazy turn in act three, uh, it then kind of like goes longer than I think it should. Like by the end of the movie, I was like, all right, we gotta, can we wrap it up? Like this like act three just kind of lasts a little too long for me. Hmm. Um, but it's going to be unlike anything you see all year. Um, Great. Really, really good. Cool. Is that it? That is all I have. That's, uh, that's it. Thanks Big for week. The, the old rapid fire. Thank you for listening. To- <laughs> cool. I guess I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> Sorry, Craig. Our producer was trying to point something out to you know me, what, but Craig, I couldn't. Keep your fucking hands to yourself. Whatever. Uh, thank you for listening to the Should I Go See a Podcast. Guys, no. <laughs> I'm your host, Phil George. Please make sure to follow on Instagram <laughs> at Should I Go See It. I don't know why I threw my name at the end. I don't usually do that, but it just kind of came out.